Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message from Stonebridge United Methodist Church. We hope it encourages you to live and love like Jesus. It is a, in some ways, solemn day, All Saints Sunday, when we remember those who have gone before us. And in other ways, it is a day of celebration, a day of celebrating the lives that have had an impact upon us. On uh, All Saints Sunday, I remember Sue Klingelsmith, who was my high school Sunday school teacher, my grandmother, both my grandmothers in their faith, that they shared both in, in word and in deed, my parents, who lived before me in so many ways, a life of faith, and I am the person who I am because of these and so many others. And so we give thanks. If you'll please stand for the reading of God's Word. <clears throat> From James, chapter 2, verses 14 through 20 and 26. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith but do not have works? Can faith save you? If a brother or sister is naked and lacks daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, keep warm, and eat your fill, and yet do not supply their body's needs, what good is that? For faith by itself, if it has no works, is dead. But some will say, your faith and You have faith, and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I, by my works, will show you my faith. You believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you senseless person, that faith apart from works is barren? For just as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is also dead. And from Romans chapter 12, verse 1, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Let us pray. <clears throat> Lord God, may the words of my mouth, the meditations of our hearts, be acceptable in your sight, our strength, our Redeemer. May these words be your words for all that I fail to speak, O oh God, fill in the blanks in our hearts. For all that I misspeak, correct it in our hearing. We look to you, O oh God, and we listen for your holy word this day. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. <clears throat> the book of James is an interesting book. Martin Luther called it the epistle of straw because... It focuses on works, on the behavior of a disciple of Jesus Christ. Um, and it seems at some, in some ways to be in conflict with salvation through faith that Paul speaks of in his epistles. But as we dig deeper into James, James is not so much doubting our faith and elevating works above faith as making the point that we are known, as Paul would say, by our fruits. And so this morning we're going to look at 
This hard and difficult passage is a reminder to me of how much work I have to do in my own life. Uh, we're going to dig down and see what, what God might have for us in this passage as we try to discover uh, what it means to be a developing disciple of Jesus Christ and what it means to have a heart for Christ. I start out with a story about a pastor who had a problem with sweets. Now, I want to start by saying this story is not about me. Okay? And, um, I mean, cookies, pies, cakes, and especially jelly donuts. He could not get enough of it. He gained weight. He developed diabetes. He finally had a heart attack. He survived a heart attack, but the doctors insisted that he had to go to a healthy diet and a healthy lifestyle. The congregation and the staff were committed to help him with that by removing all the sweets from the, uh, from the church. And over the course of time, and by the way, I've been on that diet, and if it tastes good, you spit it out. Okay? Um, over the course of time, he lost weight. His diabetes got, went away. He... Uh, he became healthy and stronger. His heart was, was good. And the, the staff in the church were very, very proud of him. And then one day, he was driving to the church, and he noticed that a new donut shop had opened. And so he thought, what will it hurt? It's something I can do for the staff. So he stopped and not only got a bag of jelly donuts, he got a whole box of jelly donuts. And he brought them to the church, and, and of course, the staff really didn't eat that many, but he ate all of them. Well, every day that week, he stopped at the donut shop. He picked up the, the, the jelly donuts. And by the end of the week, the staff decided it was time for an intervention. So they set him down together, and they said, Pastor, this is not going to work. You're going to return back to where you were. You're going to get unhealthy. You're going to have another heart attack. What is going on here? And he said, well, they, they opened this new donut shop on the way, and I just can't resist the temptation. And they said, well, what about this? Change your route. Come to church a different way so you don't have to drive by a donut shop. And so he did. And for a week it worked. And the following Monday, on the way to church, without thinking, he took his old route. And he saw the donut shop. And he prayed. Lord God, if it is your will that I stop at this donut shop to get jelly donuts, there'll be a parking space in front of the shop. And sure enough, parking space. Pulls in, gets a box of jelly donuts. He goes to the church. He presents them to the staff. And, of course, one of the staff confronted him and said, Hey, what's going on here? He says, God's will. I prayed. I prayed if there would be a parking lot open, a parking space open, that, that that was God's will that I stop and get jelly donuts. And then the staff member said, how many times did you circle the parking lot? <laughs> and he turned beet red, embarrassed. He couldn't lie. He said, well, I don't know, six, maybe seven times? Change is hard. Change is hard. And we come, when we come to salvation through Jesus Christ, it is just not, it's not a matter of receiving salvation, but it is, it, is, it is a whole change of who we are as a person. It's hard. 
And James points throughout his book the tendency for us to take the easy way. This morning, what I want to do is look at this passage of Scripture and some of the other passages, words of Jesus and from Paul, to discern what does it mean to be a a developing disciple of Jesus Christ. For I would submit to you that being a developing disciple of Jesus Christ is not just checking the box of doing good things, but it is literally a change of the heart and how our desires change so that we desire to do and to be like Jesus. It is, a, um, it is an effort of, of living out who we are as a disciple of Jesus Christ. But the biblical witness itself, from Genesis to Revelation, recognizes the struggle of the human existence. And in fact, we see in Genesis 2-7 where it says, Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Now, that sounds so poetic, doesn't it? And the man became... I mean, it's like... It's like something you'd read in a book of poetry. In fact, most of of the creation story looks like poetry. But when you begin to dig down to the Hebrew, sometimes it tells us something completely. Well, it tells us the same thing, but it really kind of opens up what, (laughs) what the writer of Genesis is trying to share with us. Living being, the word, the Hebrew word translated living being, literally means bundle of appetites. And... Hebrew words, by the way, will often draw pictures, okay? They'll draw pictures and and images, and the image for living being is a nest full of baby birds with their mouth open, ready for mama to come feed them, okay? The problem is, for us, is that We are tempted to stay in the nest, to just hold our mouth open and to say, feed me, feed me, feed me, (laughs) feed me, feed me, feed me. I come here to get fed. When the call of Christ is for us to get out of the nest, to take those bundle of appetites and turn them away from the ways of the world toward God, Our relationship with God is based on faith in what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. By faith, God bridges the separation of our sin by the death and resurrection of Jesus. By faith, we open ourselves so that God may fill the hole, the hunger, the bundle of appetites, the longing in our soul. But for some, and I would consider myself in this category... It is a struggle. But there is a chasm between our acceptance of Christ and living as a disciple. I mean, we can celebrate our salvation by faith in Jesus Christ on the one hand and and feel so good about the fact that we are going to heaven. But when we get over here, we go, now, what does that mean again? I have to do what? That's what James is trying to tell us here. Now, 
Some would say, and some have said, and there has been a 2,000-year argument over the book of James. Because, does this mean that you are saved by works? Is that what James is saying? That it is by our works that we are being saved? Doesn't Paul say in Ephesians, For by grace you've been saved through faith. It is not any of your own doing, but a gift from God. And then James comes along and says, Faith apart from works is dead. So, what is, what is going on here? I believe that both J- James and Paul are right. They're speaking of different aspects of the Christian life. Paul is talking about the way to salvation. James is speaking to the behavior and practice of the saved Christian. And when we look at the whole letter of James, we can see that James is speaking to the behavior that is contrary to the life of a Christ follower. These new Christians that James is speaking to, probably in Jerusalem, they were enjoying their salvation, and yet there was no change in behavior. They kept going back to the donut shop. James makes the point that when we proclaim faith and accept Jesus as Lord of our lives, our behavior changes. Now, is this the only place that it says such things in the Bible? No. In fact, Paul himself, on several occasions, as I said earlier, uh, by your fruits you shall be known, said Paul. The passage that I read for you earlier from Romans, I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. A living sacrifice. I read this passage and I go, really? That's tough. A living sacrifice? But that's what it says. Are we willing to live a life of sacrifice? In the same way, we hear the words of Jesus. And this is not the only place where Jesus says such things. In Luke 9, 23, he says, And he said to all, If anyone would come after me, let them deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. As an example, Jesus washes the disciples' feet on the night that he is betrayed to give them an example of how they should treat one another and those around them. Now, I'm not suggesting that we should all take off our shoes and socks and start washing feet right here. Um, But how are we washing each other's feet metaphorically? In what ways are we caring for one another? So, let's look closely at what, Paul's, at what James says here. For he says, For faith by itself, if it has no works, is dead. Now, is, Paul, is James saying that literally faith is dead, or is he saying something else here? For James is not questioning the salvation of the believer. He's challenging us to live up to the new life. The Greek word that is translated dead is nikra. Okay. But literally, it is that which lacks life. A faith that lacks life. And more fully, it is not able to respond 
to impulses or perform functions. It is a faith that is ineffective and powerless. So it's not so much that we have lost our salvation. I think what what James is trying to say to us is that our faith without works has lost its effectiveness and its power. For God wants to bless us with power. God wants to bless us with God's presence. God wants to pour out His Holy Spirit upon us that we can face whatever comes. And he continues in verse 20 by saying, Do you want to be shown, you senseless person? God, man, he's just so... I mean, if it were me and I were trans, I would want to kind of correct that a little bit. But anyway, senseless person, that faith apart from works is barren. And he adds an exclamation point to the sentence. Now, the word translated barren is argos. And this is what it literally means. Idle, lazy, thoughtless, with no benefit. Well, anybody want to uh, admit that your faith is lazy, idle, thoughtless, or with no benefit? Sure challenges me. The intent of James' letter is not to question our salvation, but to remind us that there was power in living for Jesus Christ, to remind us that our behavior defines us as who we are as followers of Jesus Christ. The problem that I face, and maybe you do too, is that we are surrounded by temptation. And as a being of appetites, it is so easy to return to the donut shop and to fall back into old behavior. Sacrificing our power, sacrificing our power in a slow return to the old ways, like paper cuts that eventually become a mortal wound to the soul. Further, if we look at the entire book of James, James is not just speaking to behavior as much as he is to the condition of one's heart. For James, it is the heart that drives behavior. It is the heart, what is in the heart, the desires of the heart, the longings of the heart that drives our behavior. It is the heart that received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And it is the heart that drives us to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. What is the condition of our heart? Now, I want to be clear at this point that I'm not talking about becoming some kind of super Christian. Because anybody that thinks that they are a super Christian is bound to the temptation of being judgmental and hardcore. And I just don't believe that that is what it means to be a Christian at all. In fact, the closer we get to Christ, the more humble, the more empathetic we become, the more understanding we are, the more desire we have to help others, to understand others in their faith. To be a super Christian is one who lays down their life for another. No, we are all in different places. We're all in different places in our growth and our development. This is about the condition of the heart and our willingness to surrender to God's direction to grow and to serve, not be judgmental and condescending. We are servants. Now, in the church, we talk about volunteers, right? 
Uh, you've been, have any of you been asked to volunteer for something? You know, and, and that's okay. That's okay. But literally, we are servants. When we walk through the doors of the church, it's not about volunteering. It's about serving. Now, even next Saturday, there's going to be a, a work day at the church, um, which to me doesn't sound very fun at all. Um, but it is another way for us to serve. And, and what James is calling us to be is to be servants 24-7, to think of ourselves as servants, to act as if we are servants, to put ourselves in the servant's role, to be a servant for Christ. And as we surrender to God, so God provides and multiplies our time, abilities, our gifts, our finances, so that we may, can even do more for God. And when we are willing to give it all up for God, that is when God blesses us the most. That is when God blesses us the most. As I close, I refer to an illustration that Jesus uses in... Um, it's reported in Mark chapter 12. Jesus is sitting in the, in the temple courtyard. And in the temple courtyard was where the offering for the temple and the work of the community and the temple was, was gathered. And, and it was quite a show. What they would do is they put these brass containers that they hung on the wall. Okay, It was along the entrance into the temple. And so when you gave your offering, which was always a coin... The bigger the offering, the bigger the sound. Okay? You got that in your head? And so people would sit around and they would listen and watch who was giving the biggest offering, who was making the biggest sound with their offering. And those who made the biggest sound, they got the most preferential place in the temple. They got respect. They got position. And those who could not make such gifts, those poor those lower in society would come to the courtyard when it was empty to make their offering so as not to be embarrassed. But on this day, something happens. A widow enters into the temple, into the courtyard when it is crowded, when everyone is watching, when the rich are coming in to put their offering in to make the most noise possible. And I am sure when the widow entered into the courtyard and she was making her way to the offering uh, bins, that some thought, what is she doing here? Her offering will mean nothing to our work. It's in, I, would, I would be embarrassed if I were her. What is she even doing? But this is what Jesus says about her. He says, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more than all who are contributing to the treasury for all of them have contributed out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, has put everything she had, all she had to live on. Do you hear what Jesus is saying there? It's about the heart. It's about the heart. For me, this... Uh, I personally, I don't like preaching on this passage. <laughs> it, it challenges me because I struggle. I struggle like anybody else with temptation. But it is a reminder 
of what God wants to do in my life. It is a reminder that the condition of my heart and working on my heart is so much more important than just the to-do list that I have to complete before the day is done. It is a reminder that returning to the donut shops of the world are not good for me. It is a reminder to keep my heart in the right place. Will you join me in that? Will you? Thank you for listening to this message from Stonebridge United Methodist Church. You are invited to worship with us every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. For more information, visit our website, mysumc.org. Have a blessed day.